welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This is, of course, our series podcast where we finally have reached the finish line of Marvel's Infinity Saga, because this week we're covering my favorite Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From Home. But before we get to that, I'm joined by my partner in crime on what has been an epic journey with Phase 3, Jabari Bryant, how are you doing today, man? Doing great, doing great, having a good weekend. Can't believe we're already here. Um, was it kind of like the second week of August? Um, it's been a great summer doing Phase 3. Can't believe we're already on the last movie. I know, man. I feel like Phase 1 and Phase 2 are pretty – I wouldn't call them short, but – some like there's just so many moving pieces in phase three phase three just feels so large in comparison yeah i mean phase two is like so many sequels and it didn't introduce too many new like franchises in mcu i feel like phase three just like really it was sequels and introducing a bunch mm-hmm. of new franchises at the same time so it kind of like beefed it up plus we got two like avengers level movies in phase three yeah instead of just the one phase two really only introduced a guardians and ant-man and they they are kind of super separate from everything else as opposed to phase three really introduced a lot of people that are very important so there's a lot of moving pieces with the phase three definitely um but have you seen anything recently that you would like to recommend or not Oh, let's see. It's, it's Jamie's birthday, and she she said we celebrate all week when her, it's her birthday. Yeah. <laughs> birthday so, week. Yeah. yeah, birthday week. So, really, the funny thing is, I just been catching like a bunch of Olympic stuff when I can, like the NBA basketball. Well, not NBA, the Olympic basketball. It's been kind of stressful watching that, but we pulled the gold out. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of race walking, and it is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> not even code a lot. <laughs> I bet that is hilarious. Yeah. Um, it was like 50 kilometers, which is like 31 miles. And these guys are walking faster than most people can run. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I bet. I've, I've watched about it's like it's, it's like watching me when I have to go use the restroom really bad. Just running to the re- walking, running to the restroom. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at them from like the waist up, it looks like they're running, but waist down, it's, it's so goofy and hilarious. <laughs> um, I think this is like the last few days of the Olympics. So, um, but yeah, that's been like most of my attention has been towards watching that. Did you see, uh, you say you've been watching the Olympics, but did you see uh, uh, Gable Stevens, the heavyweight from the U.S. team? I so didn't that- catch. I saw it. I saw the. I read the article that he won. That was that was awesome. Yeah, man, he was. Uh, he's a freak of nature. Like he can do a floating backflip. Yeah, Stand, like just standing up, do a floating backflip at that size. That's ex- he's explosive, and he won in like the last six seconds in like a takedown. I didn't know there was buzzer beaters in wrestling, but that is just yeah. Was, <laughs> Did we sweep like the different weight classes? Didn't we get? No. Well, there was a we had a, a magic man. Um, he uh, he actually won the gold medal, um, and then Dan uh, uh, Gable Stevens almost said Dan Gable. Uh, Gable Stevens won the gold medal. 
Uh, Kyle Snyder won the silver medal. Uh, Helen, uh, I'm forgetting her last name. She won a bronze medal. And my guy, Kyle Dake, he got surprised in the first uh, first round and lost, but then he fought his way back and won the bronze. And we actually, I think we finished second in uh, wrestling, which is pretty impressive for United States. That's that's really awesome. I want to say they finished second. Uh, they might have tied for first. I'm not sure. I know I read the article where it said that uh, – in order for us to win, Kyle Snyder would have had to to beat the who they call the Russian Bear. Oh my God! Yeah, and he uh, he lost. Um, not it was a pretty close match. He rallied back, but he ended up losing. Oh man! Yeah, it sounds like they still did pretty good on that side. They they did, man. Um, very very impressive. Uh, again, it's. The, the heavyweight, uh, Gable Stevens, he, he's a monster. <laughs> um, but as far as things that I, I've seen recently, um, the review show has returned in full this week, which I'm pretty excited about. But even on, uh, on here, I have to talk at least once, or at least a little bit, about The Suicide Squad. Y'all, the more I think about this movie, the more I love it. It's just, it's so good. It's the perfect blend of like that grindhouse level violence mixed with comedy, action, and character moments that really breathe. They don't actually ever cut away after a character moment for a joke or anything like that. Uh, they let it really sit with you. It's very much a James Gunn movie, but with the uh, the PG-13 handcuffs off. Um to, to hear my full thoughts and uh, get my letter grade and stuff like that, I recommend listening to the review episode where I also talk about Jungle Cruise, Stillwater, and The Green Knight. But I just had to shout out uh, The Suicide Squad on here because I, I thought it was pretty awesome. Nice. I'm definitely checking that out after the podcast. Funny thing that came to my attention the other day is the guy who plays the Green Knight who's been in like Hereditary and all that other stuff. He was like one of the kids from the Naked Brothers band. Do you, <laughs> really? Do you remember, yeah. Do you remember that show? I think so. Like I, I know the name. I don't remember watching it, but I do remember the name. Yeah, it was like one of those like Nickelodeon like kid sitcom things, mm -hmm. and it was like him and his brother. They were a band like in their house. It, but it just amazes me because he's such a good actor, and to think that he started on like Nickelodeon and like some random show. Now, is, is it because the guy in Hereditary is Alex Wolf? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, is and it, now the, just... the the guy in the Green Knight is actually a uh, Dev Patel. He's the guy oh, okay. from uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Gotcha. Okay, I mixed them up. I thought they were the same person. They look <laughs> a lot alike, and until like they grow their beards out, or Dev Patel grew his beard out. Which I've seen a lot of a lot of women have, have been thirsting over Dave Patel. <laughs> really? Yeah, since he had the beard and he's been in the Green Knight, um, which is a very interesting movie. I have some thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, that's on. crazy. Naked Brothers Band, and then he was in Hereditary, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's wild. It's one of the scariest movies ever made. Definitely. <clears throat> but uh, this is our final week covering the Infinity Saga and our last entry in this series. And uh, this is none other than my favorite Spider-Man movie, 
Spider-Man Far From Home that we're covering. A film directed by John Watts and starring Tom Holland, Samuel Jackson, Jake Gyllenhaal, Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, Zendaya, and Jacob Batalon. If you aren't familiar with Spider-Man Far From Home, the plot synopsis reads like such according to Google. Peter Parker's relaxing European vacation takes an unexpected turn when Nick Fury shows up in his hotel room to recruit his recruit him for a mission. The world is in danger as four massive elemental creatures, each representing earth, air, uh, water, and fire, emerge from a hole turn in the, or a hole torn in the universe. Peter soon finds himself donning the Spider-Man suit to help Fury and fellow superhero Mysterio stop the evil entities from wrecking havoc across the continent. This is the second entry in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies and the fifth appearance of him so far in the MCU uh, or the Disney MCU Sony team up. Uh, this was the first MCU movie post Endgame, and up until Black Widow came out a few weeks ago was the last movie released on the big screen um, before 2020 happened. This also happens to be what I call the epilogue of the infinity saga. So, Jabari, when was the first time you saw Spider-Man Far From Home, and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? Oh, so, like I've already said before, Spider-Man is my favorite superhero, period. But this one came out like after Infinity War, and Infinity War came out in the summer, where it's, like, it's the time to see movies and stuff. And this one came out, I want to say it's like fall towards the winter, like 2019. And yeah, This one came out in July, I think. Was it July? Was it after? Okay, so Endgame came out like May-ish. Okay, it was the end. Yeah, okay. So I don't know what was going on. I didn't, either I didn't have time or I didn't get around to seeing it um, in theaters. And honestly, I didn't see it until we were like neck deep in pandemic. And uh, whenever it was, <laughs> went on, <laughs> whenever 2020 hit and we went, we were in like full pandemic. Well, I saw it on demand at the crib. And I, I was like hitting myself in the head when I was watching because I was like, dang, like it's so far other than like the few shots in Infinity War and kind of like definitely in game two, that one scene, we really didn't get a lot of like the Spider-Man action that I'm used to in like Spider-Man movies, especially when Sony was manning it completely. Yeah. Um, just take my word for it. It's, it's a different kind of action when Sony had the Spider-Man movies and you see it in Venom and so up at this point, it, Spider-Man just felt really grounded um, as far as, like, the action. Story's always been great. I love the high school take of him, like, and it's just refreshing because him and Ant-Man, those two movies, franchises, just feel completely, like, different from everything else the MCU is doing, whereas it's really easier to relate to with the different themes they have in those movies. So I always like that, and I never mind a good romance in a Spider-Man movie. That always fits. Um, but like I said, watching this, the action scenes were just really great. It was the first time they actually acknowledged the spider sense or, I mean, I guess the Peter team, I don't think they even said spider sense once. It's it's literally like they're just nudging us. (laughs) Just Just picking fun of of us. Like, you know what it's really called, but we're not going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) But... I actually really, every time I watch this movie, I really enjoy it. It's one of those things that I can just put on no matter how I'm feeling and know I'm going to have a good time. Like, and honestly, watching it again for this podcast really got, it has me mad at Marvel that we still don't have a trailer for the third movie yet. It's, 
because it's like you said, nothing's come out in theaters as far as the MCU other than Black Widow. So we're just like hungry for more. Mm-hmm. And watching this movie again just has me hungry for more. Not just MCU stuff, but especially Spider-Man because he's really going to be the front runner as far as like the most popular hero that they have to work with right now, especially with um, what happened with Chadwick, rest in peace, and yeah. Iron Man and Captain America not really be on the forefront. I mean, I know we got Sam as the new Captain America, but still, like, I think the general audience is really going to gravitate towards Spider-Man the most. And the fact that it, the movie comes out, what is it, August right now? And the movie comes out in like three or four months and we don't even have a teaser. So I'm just like, yeah. really, really bummed about that. But I love this movie. Can't wait to see what they got in store next. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see, especially, I'm just thinking, getting off on a little bit of a, a sidetrack here, like how <laughs> when the Sony Marvel deal ended, how... Kevin Feige came out, oh, it ended perfectly, you know, we wrapped it up with a little bow, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, you we saw the same movie. Like, <laughs> it doesn't end, it ends on a cliffhanger, a massive one. Uh, I'm glad that they were able to, to work things out. Uh, but as far as the trailer goes, I don't know when we'll get it. Um, I will assume it, it it's probably going to be here pretty soon because they're having CinemaCon in Las Vegas this year, and they do it every year for the theater owners and stuff like that. And each studio has like a panel of their upcoming release slates. And Sony is first up, and they have three hours to talk about their future releases. And I imagine that they will show a trailer to the people that are there, and then shortly after... We'll probably get it. I think the reason they haven't pumped it out yet is because we still have Shang-Chi. I've been calling it uh, uh, Shang-Chi, but apparently it's Shang-Chi uh, coming out in September. And then you have Eternals in November. Uh, so I think they're trying to slow roll it, but everyone is, including myself, I want the trailer really badly. Yeah, um, me per- me personally, like I want the trailer like everybody else. I think they're saving it because this is a big movie, and not even have a little teaser is even yeah. though they got other stuff coming out, it's kind of odd. I think there's something big that they don't want to spoil yet. That maybe those other two movies are going to lead into this movie. Just how like the multiverse led into everything that's going to be going on Phase Four. I think there's something that they don't want to spoil with the trailer. So they're waiting and playing it close to the chest and waiting until they get really close to the movie. Yeah, I, I have no doubt it'll be an awesome trailer. Sony always does really good trailers. So, yeah. Um, but the, the first time I saw Spider-Man Far From Home was at the theater on opening night. And I remember seeing it during my last bodybuilding prep. And just the smell of popcorn made my mouth water because I was at that point. Because the first couple weeks when you're doing a bodybuilding show, um, when you're prepping for it, it's not too bad. But it's right towards you get to the like middle slash latter half. It starts to – the smell of food just it, – it, it does something to you. <laughs> I bet. Um, but so I remember going to see the movie and being like hangry a little bit. And I, but I also remember being excited because while I didn't love Homecoming, I still enjoyed it and thought Tom Holland's performance as Spider-Man and Peter Parker was 
my favorite interpretation of the character because he's the combination of uh, uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. He's like the best of both worlds. And seeing him grow into the role over the years had, had been pretty well done and played out very well over the other movies he appeared in. Uh, getting to see Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio was also really cool because I'm a huge fan of him. And seeing him in a comic book movie had always been something that I, I, I had wanted. Uh, and, of course, I was curious to see what they would do with Peter now that Tony isn't really involved in the picture. Like, you won't see him actually interacting with Tony Stark. He's definitely involved, but in a different different manner. His his shadow literally looms over in this entire movie with monuments built toward him and seeing Peter walk out. He's just everywhere Peter is. So I was I was interested to see how they would uh how they would do that. Um there's straight up flashbacks and pictures of him. Like he's yeah. I wonder if he got a credit for being in this movie because there's no way there's so <laughs> there's many a- pictures of him in this movie, like monuments and uh not monuments, but uh, what are those things called? Memorials. Yes, like memorials and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and there was a there was a good flashback of him where it was the actor, like Robert Downey, was in it. I wasn't sure if that was just a a, a scene that he had left over from Civil War. But... Yeah, it was a Civil War scene. Yeah, the barf. Um, <laughs> but I, I was interested to see how they would do this uh, post end game in this end game world. Um, and when this movie came out, I actually had the privilege of writing a review for SifPop.com, and I thought I'd share this little snippet of my review uh, so that you could hear it as it still applies to how I feel about it today. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home lives up to the promise of what I expect from a Spider-Man movie uh, to be under a Marvel and Sony collaboration. It's adventurous, endearing, charming, sweet, funny, and above all else, a great movie about accepting responsibility and not trying to live up to other people, but rather being the best version of yourself and living up to that. It's what makes this film the best theatrically released Spider-Man movie for me to date. I wrote that in 2019 and my feelings are still the same. I love this movie and how it captures the push and pull of Peter wanting to be near his friends, but also wanting to be a superhero, how it captures his struggle of living up to Tony and the pressure that makes him feel uh, a Spider-Man and how it really sets up Peter to be his own man in this coming of age tale. Uh, To quote my review again, this is the ultimate Spider-Man film packed with heart, emotion, action, and hilarious coming of age moments that'll have your heart full of joy by the end of the uh, by the end of the film. Uh, I love this movie. I really, really do. I, I I think this is my still is. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie to date. How um, far ahead do you put it over Spider-Man Two: The Raimi? Not a, a whole lot above it, but it's above it. Not it's okay. it's it's by a little bit. Not a lot. Because I love Spider Man too as well. Yeah, it, 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 with that for me, it's maybe I, it's a little bit of nostalgia that's clouded my judgment. And when I tried to put this movie over that movie, I was like, okay, I'm, is it recency bias? Do I need to go back and watch Spider Man two? Like, if you ask me right now, I'd probably say my favorite is Spider Man two, the Raimi one. 
but also if I sit and think about it, it's like you said, it's a bunch of things that I love that this movie did where I can't argue that this is the better, best Spider-Man that's been released. Yeah, it's it, it really is. It's it's a terrific movie. Um, I think it improves upon Homecoming, which again, I still like, but I think it improves upon it by like a mile. I think it, it is infinitely better. Um, again, I still enjoy Homecoming, but... Uh, the Rotten Tomato score for Spider-Man Far From Home currently sits at 90%, with a consensus being a breezy, unpredictable blend of teen romance and superhero action. Spider-Man Far From Home stylishly sets the stage for the next era of the MCU. Do you agree with this score and the critical consensus? 90s great. 90s good for it. Um, I'm, the highest... Like, if I was doing it, I'd probably say, like, 92, 93. But general consensus, I, I like 90. It's an MCU movie, so, of course, it's going to be a lot of callbacks to other movies. So if you're not up to date, you might not get a lot of the themes or really be attached to the story. Um, the acting is really good. And honestly, in this movie, we, I don't know if we deserve this performance from Jake Gyllenhaal. Right? He had some moments. <laughs> That's exactly what I said to Carly last night when he was doing the uh, the monologue because we were watching it, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to it in favorite scenes and moments. But uh, my God, did he not dial that up to eleven? And I just looked at Carly and I went, "This we don't deserve Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. We we don't. We that there's parts in the movie where he's just." Like you said, he's got a dial to a hundred, and it's just crazy how he's just a man, but you actually are afraid of him. His presence is known. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he's terrific, and I would agree with your your uh, consensus too, um, or not consensus, but rating. I would probably put around 93, 94, somewhere in there. Um, I think this movie's really great. I th- there's only a handful of things that I, I don't necessarily like about it. Um, but other than that, like this movie's it's a great movie. Uh, and it does really set the stage for the next phase of the MCU. Now that we know where we're headed and there's mentions of multiverse in this movie, which turns out to be fake, but you know, it's kind of like the Iron Man three Mandarin where, the Mandarin's yeah, fake, a, but they're still the Mandarin. It's a red herring, like. Yep. But with this red herring, there's some truth behind it unintentionally. Yep. And I mean, we found out later in the movie that Talos is a, a, a that that Talos is pretending to be Fury. And if Which he believed sense. that there was a multi, if he believed there was a multiverse, and he's an alien, so I feel like that. I mean, we know there's one now, but in hindsight. Back then, it's like, okay, so there's a good chance there is one because if he was able to convince uh, Elliot of the story. So yeah. I, I like it. Same here. Same here. I think we can say the multiverse was introduced in Doctor Strange and expounded upon in this movie in a weird yep. way. <laughs> and we're really in Endgame, too. Like, yeah, there's little Endgame. subtle things that happen in Endgame that if you, like, rewatch it, like we talked about last week, it really sets up the future while being wrapping a little bow on the uh, Infinity Saga. Um, but let's get to some fun facts here. 
According to storyboard artist Jeffrey Henderson, Mysterio was supposed to be one of the villains in Sam Raimi's canceled Spider-Man 4. He was going to be played by cult icon Bruce Campbell, a childhood friend and longtime collaborator of Raimi's who appeared in one of the best horror movies ever made. Um, well, the best horror trilogies ever made, the Evil Dead trilogy, who made cameos in all three Spider-Man films. Um that would have been interesting to see. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there is uh, some um, some storyboards of it, mm-hmm. and Mysterio's kind of husky. He's overweight, um, and apparently he was supposed to be kind of like a joke. <laughs> okay, honestly, I can see him being a joke because up until this version of Mysterio, I was kind of worried about how they would actually bring him into a live-action um, movie because honestly in all the cartoons and comic books I read of Mysterio he was kind of like a laughing stock character for a villain compared he to like goofy. the others he was goofy compared to the other Spider-Man villains and I remember I was playing this one game I think I want to say it was the movie tie-in game for Spider-Man 2 yep he's um, and he's in that and when you finally get to him he's like there's lightning everywhere he's going crazy he's like now you've made it to the final boss and you beat him in one punch, like no lie. You one punch him, and he just starts crying, like knocks out, and that's like his fight. Yep. And that's just kind of how I've always felt about Mysterio. Um, but this movie did a really good job of like showing how it could be practical. Um, also, I would have liked to see a Raimi version of any villain. I love his vision of Spider-Man. So even though he, they probably would have made him a joke character. He probably still would have been like dynamic in some way, especially with Bruce. you don't bring a legend like Bruce Campbell just to be a joke. No, like. well, you let him play around with it a little bit because I mean, the Evil Dead one, two, and three. What's well, Ash versus Evil Dead and three? Great movies, and then of course the cameos where he's the uh, ring announcer in Spider Man one, and then Spider Man two, he's the ticket guy. At the theater, yeah. and in Spider-Man Three, he's the uh, probably my favorite is the uh, the uh, the waiter. Oh yeah, I see. I remember the, the ticket announcer, but now that I think about it, the the waiter uh, he was he was in there. He was in that restaurant kind of thing, messing with him. Yeah, I do remember that. Trying to propose to uh, MJ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot all about that scene. Yep, but. I mean, he couldn't have been more of a joke character than what they did with Electro in the Amazing Spider-Man too. Whereas, like, I mean, he got cool once he got his powers, but before it was, it was like, come on, Jamie Fox. That was rough. <laughs> that was like Jim Carrey Riddler. It was oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Holland says that Happy Hogan is one of his favorite characters, and that he loves how John Favreau plays him, calling him one of the godfathers of the entire universe. And that is true. He, you know, did Iron Man one, did Iron Man two. He's really the director that started it all and has been involved with the MCU going forward um, as happy Hogan. And ever since stepping away from the director's chair and having these little cameo roles or just these little minor roles in the, uh, Iron Man films or the Spider-Man films, he's been some of the best parts, some of the funniest yeah. parts. In particular, here there's the whole bit with uh, uh, Aunt May, which is hilarious. There's the the bit where he's like, 
I, I know it's, or I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you how I know it's, how you'll know it's me is that when we went to Germany, you rented one of those adult movies and I knew it was an adult movie because of the price. <laughs> yeah. It, he's a good compliment to how awkward Peter is because yeah. he's such a practical, serious, he wants to be practical and serious, but his delivery always makes the situation just like funny, but he's still, I, I love him. I love everything. He steals everything he's in. Even when he's with the kids and they think they're about to die and he just confesses his love for anime <laughs> for no reason. He's <laughs> yeah. like, what? I thought we were saying our feelings. Yeah. And like, he also is able to like, have the real sentimental moments like last week with the I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want moment with uh, Morgan and then here and we'll get to it later but the scene where he's talking to Peter about Peter struggling you know and it's he's really able to 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 really ground those moments and make them really heartfelt yeah, it's it's partly because his friendship with Tony, but also because, like you said, he's been here from the beginning. So even though he's been kind of on the sideline, he's seen the ups and downs of, I was about to say this business, but of being a hero, really. <laughs> like he, <laughs> He's seen every version of Tony that we've seen. Uh, he's been there since the beginning. So, I mean, out of all the characters, him, Fury, some of those like older mentor-type characters, I mean, he's one of the ones where I would definitely go to for advice if I was Peter. Same. One of Tom Holland's favorite action scenes takes place in Venice when the water uh, elemental attacks. Peter runs across a series of poles where some boats are docked. Holland regrets not following stunt coordinator's advice and wearing shin guards. Yeah, I could imagine that would hurt. Shins hitting those uh, poles like that. Oh, man. When he's running across the thing. I, I was wondering like when he was doing that, I'm like, Okay, Tom Holland back in the day, I don't know if he he doesn't really do it as much now, but before he was Spider-Man, always posted videos of him doing like a bunch of acrobatic stuff like that, mm-hmm. like parkour stuff almost. Um, so I was wondering if that was really him. Turns out, I guess it really was. Yeah, the funny thing is, he, they, he did it in Air Max 95s. So I don't know if you caught the shoes yet. I at did. All. That that makes that even more impressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those shoes, I mean, they came out in the 90s, but those aren't really the most... If I'm doing something athletic, I, I'm not picking those up to do anything yet. No. They're awesome shoes, but, like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not rocking those to do any type of action scenes. Yeah. Uh, this is the first Marvel Studios movie without a cameo by Stan Lee, the co-creator of the MCU due to him passing in uh, November of 2018. So he wasn't able to shoot this one. His last official cameo was in Endgame. Um, yeah, I thought about that um, at the end credits when they had the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko um, little title, well, end card, showing respect to both those guys. I mean... It's crazy because I've been watching Marvel movies going back to whenever X-Men came out. And I don't know if he was in X-Men, but pretty much I know X-Men 2 for it. He was in every Marvel movie that I can think of in some way as a cameo. I mean, so it's crazy to think about um, that we won't see him anymore. And it still hasn't hit me 
because we haven't really been in theaters to watch the Marvel yeah. movies. It, it, it's it, now thinking about it now, it's like, wow, we really don't see like his little cameos anymore. And I'm just thinking, I just hope they show some way to honor him in each movie, whether it's just, I don't, nothing cheesy like a picture or nothing. So I don't know. I they like, did that in the Venom uh, Let There Be Carnage trailer. You can see like a picture of like Stan Lee on something. Yeah, I feel like that would get old. It'd be like, trying, I don't know if you ever watched Adventure Time, but there was always like a little snail in each episode that was in like a different spot that you can kind of find. So, but with the Stanley cameos, it would, I wanted it to be more obvious, but also endearing in a way. Yeah. I don't want to have to be like peeling the screen to see, all right, where's Stanley going to be at in this movie? Like, yeah. you know, his cameos were never like that. So if it's like something subtle, like his initials somewhere or. I don't know, like some kind of anagram. Oh, yeah. I'm just spitballing. My favorite Stan Lee cam- cameo, because there's been several over the years. There's two of them. One is in the Daredevil movie, the one that came out in 2003 with Ben Affleck, uh-huh. uh, where uh, Matt Murdock, young Matt Murdock, stops him with his uh, walking yeah. stick. Or his, his, Before uh, he like, gets hit by a car. With his cane. Yeah, and then like he, he's like holding the paper, and like he pulls down the paper, he looks all shocked. Um, and then the Amazing Spider-Man when he had oh the his... book the library yes that is oh that was that is one of my favorites too. My, might be my second favorite. Um, my favorite is probably Spider-Man Two, the Raimi one, when he just really stops and has the conversation with Peter and. They're like looking up at, uh, I forgot what they were looking up. Um, they were talking about Spider Man, but it was Peter in his like his civilian clothes and he was talking to Stanley. And it was just such a heartfelt moment for him to be on screen and actually have a conversation with Stanley. That's probably my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the film takes place eight months after the events of Avengers Endgame. So this is shortly after. Uh, WandaVision? WandaVision, yeah. Around the, yeah, because WandaVision happens, what, three months after? I thought it was a few weeks after. <laughs> it's probably like, it's definitely not eight months. It's either a few, like th- three months sounds about right. Yeah. Not too long. I could be way off on my timetable. Um, I know the quickest, the WandaVision happened the soonest after Endgame. I'm not specific about the details, but I know that one was the closest to Endgame. When did uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier? Um... I want to say it was, I mean, the way that they presented the world and like all the different flag smashers. Yeah. It, it, it made it seem like a good amount of time had passed, especially with like Bucky ignoring Sam's calls for however long. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in between WandaVision and Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, probably somewhere around the, that same time period. But eight months, yeah, that's that's pretty late. We all we know where Black Widow is. Loki, it's very weird. It's in it's all it's in a lot of time periods. <laughs> yeah, it's in a lot of time periods. I mean, if you really want to be snobby about it you can say it takes place before the end of end game or like yeah. concurrently with the end of end game but i mean time is wonky in the tva so it doesn't really matter yeah. i don't think now as a common uh thing in the mcu a clip uh 
pro- uh, promotionally shown in um, multiple trailers is entirely absent from the finished movie. In this case, a scene showing Spider-Man defeating a gang of bad guys in a restaurant while wearing the nanotech Iron Man's uh, Iron Spider suit seen in Avengers Infinity War before departing on his uh, school trip to Europe is not shown in the final version of the film, though it is briefly mentioned by Aunt May. The scene is present in the extended cut of the movie, and you can actually watch it on Disney Plus and watch it on the 4K or Blu-ray of the film. It's it's pretty entertaining, but I can see why they cut it. It slows the pace down of the movie. And But see, I'm glad you put this in here, because I was thinking, we didn't really, we saw the opening scene with him and being at like that fundraiser or whatever, but we didn't get to see him doing any, he didn't do anything really cool in New York. No, not until the end. And even then it's not not really anything cool. It's just him flying around. Exactly. So I would have liked to see him ruffle up a couple guys. I mean, it's kind of cliche in like superhero sequels to have like the cold opening of the hero, like fighting crime that has nothing to do with the plot in a way, but. I don't know. It, it just fits Spider-Man character to just have him do something in New York before going away. No, it's a fun scene. It's it's it is. I, I really enjoy the sequence. Um, I didn't actually because I know they did like a re-release of this movie the same summer, just as an extended cut to kind of get it over that one billion dollar mark. Um, uh-huh. But I did not go to rewatch it, although I, I really wanted to. I didn't. Um, but it's a good scene. I, I recommend checking it out. Um, in the film, Spider-Man mentions Captain Marvel, which marks the first time an MCU character referred to Carol Danvers by that name. It's pretty cool. It is. Um, Fury says, do not say. Fury got really mad about that. He... We know it's... Yeah, he gets super pissed throughout this movie. And I I will say this. While I was watching this movie the entire time, I'm going, why? Who wrote Nick Fury like this? This does not feel like Nick Fury at all. What the hell is going on? And then we see the end, the post credit scene. I'm like, oh, okay. Now it makes much more sense. See, I had that same feeling, and I was like, maybe it's because he's dealing with a teenager, and he's just not used to people not listening to him. But that part with him getting mad over Peter bringing up Captain Marvel makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, to Talos, Captain Marvel is his savior. That's like, this is not a Captain Marvel threat. She saves planets. This is just, yeah. <laughs> She's got stuff to do. Don't speak up her name like that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bring her into this. Yeah. Or maybe he would have been embarrassed, too, because Captain Marvel had to come help him. So it, it could have went either way. Yeah. You never know. Although I did think, I thought that they were on good terms. But, again, a lot, because that took place in, what, 95, 94? Yeah. So a lot of time has passed. So, um, Jake Gyllenhaal is almost never seen wearing anything other than his full superhero suit throughout the film. It was actually suggested to him he'd wear that suit um, or wear something different in those scenes. But according to him, he genuinely liked wearing the suit, so he refused to wear anything else. 
a keen eye can see Gyllenhaal and a character spying on uh, Peter Parker in, secret, in uh, street clothes just before Peter purchases the back uh, Dahlia uh, necklace for Hydra Man attacks. Oh man, I caught that. I caught that. He was um, I, it's a few times in the movies where you see like Gyllenhaal and his crew like spying on him before um the action kicks off. I thought that was a good detail. Um, kind of let you know like something was shady going on. Honestly, I didn't catch it, uh, and now I, I really want to rewatch it so I can catch it. I caught it in hindsight. I didn't catch it the first time. Um, I caught it. I caught a lot more this time than I did the other, the second time I saw this movie. Um, it's just one funny thing where, remember the guy that was driving the trolley in London? Yeah. Um, and when they go down, he's like, oh, the driver's gone. And they all freak out. When they're running, they run past him. <laughs> and he's like chilling, calm as a cucumber, um, waiting on the wall with the hat on. Uh, that was another good one. <laughs> That's a good little detail. Yeah, it, it is. It, he was the um, the guy who was supposed to. He was the storyboard guy, the one that was coming up with like the the multiverse plot for Fury. <laughs> yeah, coming up with all the the ideas. Um, this is the first time Jake Gyllenhaal has been associated with a Spider-Man film. Originally, he was going to replace Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two after Maguire was injured during the filming of Seabiscuit, but luckily his injuries healed and he was able to return to the set. Now, depending on what you read, depending on um, what you listen to, it was not an injury on Seabiscuit, but rather Tobey Maguire wanted more money. Uh, And he was negotiating, and eventually they decided, you know what, we'll recast you, we'll get Jake Gyllenhaal, and they were actually, like, they cast him. And then yeah. Toby was just like, "Oh, my back's fine." <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of before the golden age of the superhero movies really getting popular, and they were recasting heroes. They, they didn't care who you were. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, they were casting Batman like three times. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I could see Sony being like, "Bro, we can put anybody in that suit." Um, that's kind of I really like Sea Biscuit too, so it's kind of as the I do too. It's a great movie, but but um, see, seeing Gyllenhaal as Spider Man, I don't know. I can see it, but it, it would have been a different take. They couldn't have made him as nerdy as they made Tobey Maguire the out of the Spider Man costume part. Yeah, because Tobey Maguire is it's like Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. He's not. He doesn't look nerdy when he's Peter Parker. He just he looks like a cool kid. Yeah. But when he's as Spider Man, he's freaking awesome. Uh, it's kind of you can't really nerd him up. It's the same thing with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, you can't really nerd him up. See, I was like, they probably went like full on Bubble Boy with him trying to oh, nerd him up, but that would have. That would have been too much. It would have been too much. Yeah, he wasn't too far removed from Bubble Boy. <laughs> he wasn't. Um, At this point. He might even brought some of that Donnie Darko energy to the to, Especially if he had to do Spider-Man 3. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Oh, no. 
I mean, I love Tony Darko, but ooh, I've been weird. Black suit, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Would have been like uh, Nightcrawler, Jake Gyllenhaal. Have you ever oh, seen that God. movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy intense in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jake Gyllenhaal, he's kind of a chameleon, man. He can he can play whether it's Zodiac, Brokeback Mountain, Mysterio. Um, he 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 can really. He's one of those actors. He can really fit into whatever it is that he's doing. So I could I could see him playing Spider Man, but it definitely would have been a different take on the character for sure. Yeah, it's um, funny you said he can fit into anything. Cause you remember when they like tried to what well, they didn't try, they did. They tried to. They gave him Prince of Persia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I retract my statement in regards to that movie. Though. I like to pretend that movie doesn't exist because it's not oh, very man. good. It was some of my, I was like some of my favorite games growing up, and oh man, yeah, like you said, let's move on. It's just not <laughs> the movie's not very good. Um, the first Spider-Man film to gross over $1 billion at the worldwide box office, becoming the fourth highest grossing film of 2019 behind Frozen 2, Lion King, and Avengers Endgame. Disney is laughing all the way to the box office with the top four movies being Disney. Well, top three, and then having a part in the fourth one. It's ridiculous. At this point, I mean, I, I I feel like people were with when Black Panther came out, a lot of people got into the MCU out of nowhere that up until that point weren't really in it. And then after that, they were just rolling and they could have released anything and it would have got close to a billion because Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just sucks because they were on such a good roll, and boom, pandemic hits, and I mean, Black Widow makes eighty million the first weekend, and then really just kind of simmers out going forward. So hopefully they can get back to that because, I mean, even though Disney still doesn't care because it's they're still making money with Disney Plus, but it's just crazy seeing those numbers on yeah. all their movies. Makes me feel good as a comic book fan, regardless. Yeah, that was 2019 is one of my favorite years, and not just in superhero movies, but for movies in general. It was a great movie year. A uh, lot of big movies that I really loved. All these movies that I, I, I've mentioned in the top four, I really enjoy. Even the Lion King remake. Obviously, it's not as good as the animated classic, but I still enjoyed it. You know, I love Rise of Skywalker. I love Joker. Like, it's just a bunch of really good movies in 2019, not even mentioning movies like Jojo Rabbit, Doctor Sleep, uh, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, great, great movie year. Um, great movie year. Yeah. Um, but... Before we move on to our award section, guys, we're going to take a quick break so you can hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor, but we're going to move on to favorite scenes and moments. And we're going to start or move on to our award section. Start off with favorite scenes and moments. There we go. Um, 
And I'm going to start off here with Happy's interaction, his first interaction in the movie with Aunt May. It's hilarious. God, it is. It is. It's it's funny because Tony was so confident around Aunt May when he flirted. And it was, I hate to say it was like innocent flirting because we know Tony and Pepper were a thing. But yeah. it was always like kind of more of a just Tony could see if it was a possibility. And this one, you can really tell that like Happy really likes Aunt May, which is good. It's not just him yeah. liking her because she's pretty. I think they actually have some like kind of chemistry there. Well, it's also funny because like I think part of the reason Tony did it too is to like rub uh, or to annoy Peter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Happy's not doing it for that reason. You can tell he's trying to keep it low and not do anything in front of uh, Peter. But Peter can tell. Oh, man. It's it's so awkward for Peter. <laughs> yeah, because just the faces that Tom Holland makes are great. He's like, you guys got something to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? There's some, Wait a second. There's something between you guys. Um, not long after that, they get Peter's interaction with the reporters and him mourning Iron Man. That the Peter being awkward as his Peter's public speaking as Spider Man is starting to get old to me. It, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't know. I'm just used to my Spider Man being confident when there's Spider Man, and I get it. He's 16. He's not really popular. He doesn't speak in front of a lot of people. But, I mean, this is, like, his, what, fifth, fourth showing? Like, he's got to learn how to talk in front of people. That'd be, leave the Peter Parker awkwardness out of the suit. Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, he's very awkward um, when he's, when he's like, talking to, the, talking to the reporters. But this one in particular, and I, and I do agree with you in a sense that Peter, when he's out of the suit, is not confident. When he's in the suit, he's confident. Yeah. Um, like and, Andrew Garfield would never. He'd be so oh no. smooth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, neither would Toby. Even Toby had some good one-liners. Oh, yeah. And he spoke he, he spoke well in front of crowds in the movies. Like, he was always yeah. very – I mean, he looked like a hero. Like not. I mean, the prototypical, like, golden age hero. I mean, I know he has a mask on, but he was able to smile and wave yeah. and not look stiff. It's like the Madagascar penguin smiling wave, boy, smiling wave. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think with this interact or this interpretation of Peter, he's very unsure of himself and very unconfident, um, even as Spider-Man, because people keep comparing him to Iron Man. Even the audience is saying that he's Iron Man Jr., you know, outside of the movie. Uh, yeah. And seeing him struggle with that in the limelight, and especially when he goes out to talk with the reporters afterward and they start asking him questions about Tony Stark and how he's supposed to be, you know, the next Tony Stark and all this stuff and bringing it up in front of him, it really is the start uh, of the biggest through line through the film, which is about becoming your own person and, you know, not. That made me itch. That was yeah. And. Of course, you see him mourning Iron Man going to the mural that's painted and just seeing Tony's shadow looming over him and the 
the the responsibility he feels as Spider-Man to be the next Iron Man. And as the movie unfolds, he begins to realize he's not Iron Man. He will never be Iron Man. He's Spider-Man. Yeah. And when he was like, when those reporters are like asking all those questions and he's trying to dial it back, hey, can we get some neighborhood questions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we get some neighborhood questions? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good contrast to the first movie where he just wanted to be an Avenger and be a world hero so bad. And the events of the first movie made him realize, and especially being blipped for five years, missing out on a lot of life, just made going him realize space. like, yeah, going <laughs> space. <laughs> he just wants to kind of enjoy his life how it is and not grow up too fast because... I mean, life can be gone in the blink of a second. You'd be gone for 10 years, 20 years. You'd be dead, dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot for him to, to realize what he wants to do. And this that's why I love this movie, because it goes away from homecoming, and it, it, it progresses the character into becoming more of his own person, becoming the Spider-Man growing into that we, we all know and love. Yeah. Um, I like this scene because it, it does tell you the state of mind that Peter's in and sets a tone for how he's going to react to certain things the rest of the movie. Yeah. Aunt May calling the spe- uh, the spider sense the Peter Tinkle. Hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. Please, May, don't call it Peter Tingle. <laughs> I mean, in a vacuum, Peter Tingle and spider sense are just as goofy as one of the, they're both super goofy names. <laughs> Peter Tingle sounds, it sounds <laughs> gross. Like, like, it sounds like someone's referring to their penis for sure. Yeah, like he's going through like puberty or something. Yeah, I got a Peter Tingle. Like, nah, uh uh-uh. uh. But like, if, if, if someone says, like, I got my spider senses are tingling, I'm like, okay. But there's something about Peter Tingle, I'm like, <laughs> I feel it makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, don't say that. Like, no one wants to know that. Yeah, I guess spider sense doesn't sound as goofy, but spidey sense, spidey sense, like when people, like, yeah, spidey sense says it that way. Like my but, spidey senses are tingling. Yeah, that that's a, yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> uh, but it's so funny, just the way that it makes him feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable for him. Yeah, it's funny because he also has nobody else to really go to with that kind of for advice. Like, I mean, he went to um. So usually he'd probably go to Tony for advice for that. I mean, but who else does he have to talk to besides Aunt May, who ends up telling Happy? <laughs> you got that uh, tingle problem? <laughs> it's like no. <laughs> yeah, I can um, only imagine what Tony would have said. Oh God. It would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Peter's allergy slash airplane montage. Oh, man. that <laughs> It's the perfect, like, scene for Peter Parker. Peter Parker never wins. Even when he tries his hardest, he always somehow manages to get his plans messed up. And his plan to get by MJ got real messed up. Yeah, if it can go wrong for Peter, it will go wrong. And (laughs) the funny thing is he had Ned there. And, like, Ned was going to end up sitting with that girl anyway, with Betty. 
And Ned got to sit with Betty, and Peter ended up having to sit with like the teacher. Teacher, like, <laughs> yeah, he's telling him about his wife leaving him during the blip. She's like, "Whoa, yes." <laughs> that made me laugh because I forgot that it was in here. I'm like, "Whoa, why are you telling this kid all this information?" <laughs> oh man, that was so sad. He, that was so sad, and he just said it just. We had, a, we no had a context. funeral, but it turns out it was a fake funeral. The funeral was real. <laughs> yeah, the funeral was real, though. <laughs> but my favorite shot in this whole airplane montage, besides, well, there's two. There's a shot where Peter opens the door, sees uh, MJ, played by Zendaya, closes it, and then tries to, like, prep real quick. Like He cleans the entire bathroom. <laughs> Why did he... <laughs> <laughs> He's like cleaning it up for it and everything, which is sweet. But it's also like, dude, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> why? I know it's, it's going to stink regardless. <laughs> yeah, it's an air, it's an airplane bathroom, man. Yeah. And then the second shot that I love is when uh, Ned is sitting next to the girl, and they accidentally touch hands, and then Jacob Batalon's like face when he looks up at her, like when they look up at each other, it's priceless. It's they so were so funny. cute. Yeah. <laughs> that really felt like a high school love budding with the, those two. Because yeah. it's so random and little interactions like that literally would read it, lead into romance in high school. Like it's just, it's, kids are so fickle like that where. It's like a summer fling. I, exactly. Just sitting yeah. beside somebody for an eight hour flight, you guys fall in love out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's. He's what Peter wanted. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly what Peter wanted. And he's like <laughs> professing his love. He's like, Peter, like he's like going into like she's a beautiful, strong woman and stuff like that. You're like, oh God, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome scene. Oh yeah. Uh the Venice attack. Oh man. So I like it because we get to see Peter. It, like we were talking about earlier, he's like in his regular clothes. Yep. And Venice is just beautiful anyway. I know it's probably like green, mostly green screen, but how they presented it, like I feel like they really captured the beauty and everything. And seeing the destruction of like all this stuff and the water flying everywhere. I mean, it was a good action scene. Um, shows you how smart. Well, how not maybe not how smart because but how quick to act Peter is. Yeah. Well, the thing I love the most about this sequence, too, is it's a good illustration for what uh, Mysterio is doing. Watch me over here, but don't look what, look what's going on over here type thing that he's go- got going on. Yeah. Where he's doing all the quote unquote action and saving the day. But really, we're seeing Peter like struggling and like saving all these buildings from crumbling and everything like that. It's a really good illustration for the people looking at him. They're not even acknowledging the fact that Peter Parker, and it's pretty obviously Peter Parker going around as Spider-Man doing all this stuff. Yeah. Keeping a building from falling. Yeah. I mean, and it fell anyway, but yeah, he probably the saved. falling anyway. Like when his head <laughs> keeps hitting the bell, that was pretty priceless. Yeah, there's um, no traction on those Air Max 95s. He just kept sliding. And- <laughs> <laughs> Try playing basketball with those things. Oof. Jesus. 
Um, Shin points out the wazoo. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, it's it's a really fun action sequence, and I I, I really really enjoy it. Um, and again, I like the illustration of look what's going on over here, but pay no attention to what's going on over here. And it's yeah. also Hydro Man, which was one of my favorite uh, villains from the animated show. He was a dick in the animated show. I hated him. <laughs> That's what made him good. <laughs> I know. He was so mean for no reason. Like that whole plot with Mary Jane. And uh, yeah, I have nightmares about Hydro Man from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter meeting Mysterio. Oh, man. It, it was, it's crazy because. Up until this point, like Peter feels like there's a hole that needs to be filled, and here comes Mysterio, who's wearing a suit. He's like almost looks like a younger version of Tony, and everything. Um, and he's around Fury and everybody, and Peter's like kind of like nerding out in front yeah. of the whole crew. <laughs> and, and then Mysterio tells him, "Hey, never apologize for being the smartest person in the room." It's he's like he's trying to. And it's genuine. And this is how good of a performer Jake Gyllenhaal is. It's like, I know Mysterio. I know what's going on here. But even while watching the movie, I was like, okay, he's really trying to have this almost older brother relationship as opposed to Tony Stark being the father. Jake Gyllenhaal is trying to be like this really cool older brother that, you know, will sympathize with Peter while Nick Fury, which is really tallest being like, hard on him or talos being like really hard on him yeah a lot of cursing yeah (laughs) from fury's end (laughs) you get that with sam jackson like when he called peter a bitch for um... (laughs) (laughs) home there was more cursing in this movie than any mcu movie for sure and just still i really really want at some point for Sam Jackson to drop his most famous swear word. We almost got it. Oh, if, if there's ever already an MCU movie and he's in it, we'll get it from him. We got to get it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I just, I really like the dynamic. And again, this is actually the first introduction of the multi multiverse in a way. Um, yeah. not, not the first introduction, but it's the first said out loud and like a character that's not like Dr. Strange or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, Doctor Strange talked about the multiverse, but not in the sense that there would be multiple Earths, just yeah. in the sense that there's other universes. This talks about the sense that there's could be an infinite amount of, like, our planet and different versions of us somewhere in a weird way. And I think that's what kind of opened up the idea that people were like, because in the trailer, he says this. And that's when, like, the ideas of, like, oh, are we going to get, like, an Andrew, Toby cameo in this movie somehow? Like, or in the in coming soon or something? So this kind of got the ball, people talking about the other Spider-Man having, like, a Spider-Verse in the MCU. Yeah, and those talks really intensified, too, once we had the uh, Spider-Verse movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... Like I think we said before, that really kicked the door down as far as like us wanting more Spider-Man in one movie. It really, yeah. it, it, it it fast forwarded to a point where it's like we can't wait for it. it, it if it yeah. if we don't get it, we're just going to keep talking about it until we get it. Yeah, 
And now they, they've painted themselves into a corner now. Well, the fans, too. The studio hasn't done anything because they haven't responded to it. But the fans have really painted themselves into a corner by like, oh, it's going to happen. Or we really want this. It's, you know, these these things are really panning out. It's not really been confirmed or denied if Toby or Andrew uh, are in it. But we'll see. I mean, all evidence points to that they are. But, I mean, I'll take the villains for right now. I mean, yeah. I will too. I will. Um, Peter puts on Tony's glasses, aka Edith. Oh, um, <laughs> I love this scene for the description or the uh, the uh, the definition of Edith, which even stands, dead. yeah, even <laughs> even dead. I'm the hero. Like, <laughs> oh. it, it is so Tony. Yeah. I mean the gla- the choice of glasses, the name, everything that has anything to do with this, Tony. The the blanket around the world that he wanted of something that could just send a drone anywhere at any moment. It's mm-hmm. everything about it. Only Tony Stark would come up with it. Yeah. Um, the fact that he almost kills um, that one kid. What was the kid's name? The one that like blipped away. Oh yeah, we're about to get to that. Uh, yeah, the the drone strike. Yeah. So, okay, this scene, scene is hilarious. And the drone strike that he has on the uh, the kid that takes a picture of him when he's getting uh, fitted for the night monkey costume. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's funny in a lot of ways because he knocks out uh, Flash. He smacks the crap out of him. Flash <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wakes up. It's like, ah, what the hell happened? Um, <clears throat> and then of course he's, you know, look at all the rainbow, uh, or not the, but what's he calls them? Look at the goats or something goats, like that. The baby goats. Baby goats. <laughs> and then like he jumps up. Yeah, spray. But like, whatever that kid's name is, he was the perfect foil because he's so annoying. Oh man, he was. He was just everywhere for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you with the rest of the group? Why are you even here? And the fact that he like MJ too. It was going to try to rat him out for, he wasn't <laughs> doing anything wrong. I mean, immediately, like, I, I guess it's the world we live in now with like kids just having technology on them at all times. But the immediate picture he takes, like Quick. five seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just <laughs> bam, got it. <laughs> It was almost like he was waiting for Peter to mess up, and yeah. he was ex- he was expecting it. I I love after this sequence when his like hair is all dishuffled and his glasses are kind of hanging down, and uh, Ned's girlfriend looks at him and goes, "Peter, I know you don't think we notice, but I've noticed. I'm really digging your new look." He looks. He looks more like Tony when his head like gets all. Like he's <laughs> yeah. The shoulders yeah. got the glasses and all. Um, Peter and MJ's conversation in the theater. This is just very sweet. Because yeah. he's he's tripping over his words. She is too, and she's played a little differently in this one. Um. Exactly. She actually takes up for him when Flash is like joking him. It really, when anybody um, has a dig at Peter, he, she really has a comeback for him. Yeah. Whereas before, she either was the one joking him or she wouldn't say anything. Yeah. Which she was always like 
around him, joking him, flirting with him. But I guess that like intensified once she realized that he's probably Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt, I feel genuine about the gap between this movie and the first movie. Cause before the first time I saw this movie is like, Oh, Peter went from like really liking the, um, the vulture's daughter to really wanting to date her. And we didn't get any exposition or anything. Yeah. But again, they're kids. They can fall in and out of love, like super quick. You see, well, like Ned and, and Betty fall in love sitting yeah. beside each other on the plane. So I, I, I kind of got rid of that in my head. I was like, okay, it makes sense. Plus, she's always watching him, so she definitely would fall in love with him. Yeah, and, and it, they're just, it's, he tells her, he's like, you, you look very pretty. And then, like, she jokes him. He's like, oh, no, thank you. And then, oh, yeah, um, she had it. And she was like, so I have value. That's yes. I have value. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's always joking him. And I think that's why it works, because it feels genuine like she's constantly like busting his balls but she's there for him and everything like when he needs support so it's yeah it feels very much like a, a high school relationship yeah and him hanging out with her I, I bet you in the next movie if they're like been going steady for however long the movie takes place after this movie he's not going to be as awkward just from him hanging out with her more because she's going to call him out on all the little stuff he does. So maybe. And I look forward to that because I love Zendaya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next, next thing is not a, it, it's much like uh, the Peter tingle when <laughs> Tom Holland goes, it's a little tight around the old web shooter talking about the night monkey <laughs> costume. <laughs> yeah. And that made me laugh really hard while I was watching the movie last night. That that was hilarious. Um, I, it sounds like something Tony would say. I hate to keep bringing up Tony, but it's that part of him just keeps going out. Um, well, it's just I mean, so rare. Yeah, like it, it's very much a Tony thing to say. Yeah, and that's um, who Peter has been, you know, emulating for so long. So it just it makes sense that he would pick up on a little bit of his mannerisms. Yeah, but the night monkey suit was cool. Um, I guess he he doesn't have all the functionality of one of his dark suits, but it's it's sleek. I, I liked it. Yeah, I do too. Which it leads right into the carnival fight, which I think is super cool, while also being really funny because you get the you know night monkey Ned telling uh, what's his girlfriend's name? Betty Brant. Yeah, Betty, He's telling her. Uh, no, 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 no. That's 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 a European knockoff. It's a uh, <laughs> night monkey. Uh, yeah, night and, monkey the name and then he's just like, "What?" <laughs> it, it's funny because the name sticks for the rest of the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, and this is also the first glimpse we get to see of uh, Mysterio's plan, where one of the hologram things falls off, and then MJ picks it up. Yeah, I mean, when Peter, I when Peter was like trying to fight the thing and save Ned and Betty from the Ferris wheel, I guess he like grabs his webs, grabs one of the holographed um, drone things, and mm-hmm. he rips that off. Yeah, and in my head, I was like, "What was that?" Because up to this point, like when the first time you seen the movie, you didn't really know what was going on. I mean, you knew everything was fake in some way. 
but you didn't really know how. Um, so they get they did a good job of like showing that subtly, um, and really it the plan blowing up and seeing what was actually going on when MJ shows them the projector. But that's like the first question you really had. Like, yeah. was that like metal? Like, what was that? Yeah. It's a really fun action sequence. And oh, and even when they were like preparing for that final fight, I guess this goes back a couple scenes before, but you can kind of see um, Hill and Talos um, really start to question some of the stuff that um, Beck was saying. Yeah. So it, was, it was especially about the part of like about the fire one being the strongest and you got to keep it away from metal. And there's like a scene where like the two, like um, Fury and Maria look at each other and they're like, what? Like, really? And before you just like, you think it's because Peter's being goofy, but later in the movie, I think that's like really them starting to question some of the stuff that Beck's talking about. Like, doesn't yeah. science isn't really making sense. Yeah, the, it's not, his plan is not, and that's that's kind of a, a question I have later is, what is Beck's endgame when an actual Avengers level threat shows up? Um, Be sick. <laughs> can't come to work today, guys. Feel sick. Um, Quentin's talk with Peter at the bar. So I like this scene a lot because it gets at like what Peter's really wanting. Um, you know, he wants to be with his friends and he wants to have fun. He wants to go on summer vacation. He wants to be a kid, you know? Yeah. And Mysterio Quentin is, is kind of teasing him. And again, you really feel that brother, brother. yeah, you know, big brother sense of relation relationship which was sucking me in again as a knowing who Mysterio is it was even sucking me in and it was just I really bought their dynamic Peter does the whole you know I choose you to be the next Iron Man and gives him the glasses hands it over um and then yeah and it's a good contrast to I'm sorry person. go ahead no, yeah, it's, to, it's a good contrast to the first one. Whereas, like, Tony made Peter feel like, a, not a kid, but like a baby. Like, the yeah. diaper protocol, like, all that other <laughs> stuff. Like, he made him feel like a baby. And here you got, like, the cool older brother saying, hey, let's go grab a drink. And, yeah. and Peter's, I'm not 21. Like that. I mean, I know he had to go to that bar because that's where they had the plan set up. But Peter didn't know that. So, like, Peter's like, oh, man, this guy's really cool. Like, mo- most of the other heroes I hang out with would never take me here. Like, yeah. asked me to go here. They were just telling me what to do and send me home. And it's it's sweet, too, when he, like, leaves. He's like, all right, I'm going to go get MJ. He's like, yep, I'll give you 50-50 odds. You're pretty awkward, so it could go either way. <laughs> the thing is, even though, like, Mysterio Beck or whatever um, is a dick, he, up until Peter became a thorn where he couldn't ignore, he genuinely felt sorry for Peter. I think that part I was real. So he did he did not want to kill, and I'm not gonna say he didn't want to kill innocent people, but he did want to kill Peter. He didn't want to harm his classmates. But I mean, when you're a narcissist like that, at it's a point where it's like, okay, now he's in my way. Now I got to do it, and he tells himself it has to be done. There's no other way to like kind of reconcile in his head. But I feel like part of that relationship, like he really saw himself in Peter because you know Tony just treats other people like. They're beneath I, him, except for exactly, <laughs> exactly, and you kind of see that with the rest of the employees in the scene after the bar scene with Peter. 
But I think he felt sorry for Peter in the sense that he's having to right Tony's wrongs. And he did, he probably did feel like this was too much pressure for a 16-year-old kid. And Damn. probably thought he, he probably thought he was doing him a favor. Not even like narcissism aside, I think he thought he was doing Peter a favor. Well, it goes back – it skips a little bit ahead – skipping a little bit ahead, but like – it's because it's not one of my favorite scenes, but it's that line delivery of Peter Parker's blood is on your hands when he gets mad at the guy um, for not covering up the the mess or getting rid of the thing. Because now he's got to take out Peter and he didn't want to. Because So I believe these conversations that he's having with Quentin are genuine and they're real. Um, but of course, he's taking advantage of them. Yes, like sometimes a big brother would. <laughs> which leads to the next scene, which is Quentin's epic monologue and his exposition. This scene should not work. On paper, this scene should not work. But it works because Jake Gyllenhaal is so awesome and he's an incredible actor. On a character level, it works too because he's playing you know, the public's fears to get what he wants. Um, again, I, I do have questions about what his end goal is, but this scene, he's chewing up the scenery. He has it, what feels like probably three or four pages of dialogue that he's just reading. Oh, he's so charismatic when yeah. he's delivering it. His delivery is awesome. Honestly, how the camaraderie of like the rest of this team mm-hmm. helps it too. It's like, they're like happy they're drinking. This is like their Super Bowl. And it's I mean, tying it back to the to like Iron Man one, where you know the Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps guy, who was actually yeah. the young kid in a Christmas story, like yeah. that actor. So he's in it, and then of course it's a callback to Barf from Silver War. So it's bringing that in. It's really tying it into the MCU. And it's doing so in a way that not only captivated me, like I was I was riveted during this scene. I was like, man, this is again, we don't deserve Jake Gyllenhaal. You're like, go team. Yeah. I mean, and he's like thinking everybody and it you it's believable because literally he has a huge team around him helping him do this. Down to the costume, down to the story down to some scientists causing tremors. That's the part where I was like initially confused. I was like, okay, tremors are actually happening. How are they doing that? Like, how is Fury not just finding out the real cause? But then it's they he had every contingency covered as far as like keeping up the facade that they had going. And I mean, it's remarkable that they were like you said, the scene shouldn't work, but it does and they made it believable. Because yeah. the writing and Jalen Hall's delivery. Yeah, he is so good. Um, Peter's walk and talk with MJ. Again, another scene, interaction with MJ, where it's their last night, uh, and he asks her to go on a walk. So they go on a walk. You can see like them maybe wanting to hold hands, but not... Um, <clears throat> and then he finally gets the courage to ask her, and then she asks him, or how? what happens? It's like she says that you're Spider-Man. He's like, I'm not Spider-Man. Yeah, he's like, I have something to tell you. And he oh, yes, can't get it out in time enough. And her anticipation is like, hits the point where she just blurts out, you're Spider-Man. Yeah. And he gets so caught off guard. He lies saying, I'm not Spider-Man. And they just have the conversation goes from there. Yeah. And it's it's so funny 
because like again zendaya she has great like deadpan humor like she's just very yeah. sarcastic and just her delivery with like the no you're definitely spider-man no no no, you're for sure like spider-man and then afterwards like it's the fake confidence where it's like she's like no really you're spider-man yeah. i was like 60 percent sure i wasn't like 100 percent, but like yeah peter all... could have lied his way out of that if he knew better <laughs> yeah and like she shows him the this this is where he sees the the uh the projector the projector and he puts two and two together um and you know but again this scene does go back to like one of peter's things where he goes wait were you just interested in me and watching me because he thought i was spider-man yeah yeah and every time it looks like their relationship is about to move forward the plot moves forward where they can't really explore how they feel about each other because right after this um he gets a call or something where he has to like go running no he realizes that he has to go save the world because it's flying yeah and he gave him the 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 glasses to edith yeah yeah but um honestly it's like you said earlier so just going off of this i mean her suspicions were pretty strong that he was spider-man going back to homecoming going back to washington dc so. Yeah. Um, of course, you, you you mentioned it, but this is, leads to Spider-Man leaving and trying to confront Beck. Um, but Mysterio traps Spider-Man. Um, this scene is so creative. It's trippy. It's mind-bending. The Iron Man zombie might be my favorite touch. It's just showing, how, again, how powerful... Mysterio is, even though he's just a man. Yeah. I mean, the the whole plan is so... There's so many points where it could have went wrong. I mean, having a drone pretend... I don't know who was driving and pretending to be Fury. Maybe Beck was in the seat and one of the drones was camouflaging him. But it starts with, like, Peter getting picked up by Fury and then drove to, like, some random warehouse building, which we think is, like, an office setup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so many layers to this plan, and he just toys with Peter, like, physically and emotionally during this whole scene, and it's kind of sad. Like, it's, like, every aspect of Peter's life um, kind of just put out there, and this is what Spider-Man as a whole doesn't want. It's why he wears a mask, because he doesn't want people to know his personal business doesn't want the people who he loved to get hurt. And in this scene, it's like all of Peter's fears are just playing out in front of him. And not just his fears, like his regrets of like not being able to save Tony. And I mean, what was Peter going to do 15, 16 years? How was he going to save like Tony, like from sapping his fingers? Like he, yeah. he was doing the best he could. Exactly. And he's just, he's just digging at him to get him more frustrated so he can get him more mentally off focus and trying to break him down. Um, but it's it's a really good scene. It 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 got me there at the end when I thought he had been Beck had been shot. Turns out no. Oh man, that that's, was that's dope. still Beck, and then he gets hit by the train. Yeah, I mean, how do you kill a superhero <laughs> being like Spider Man? I mean, he made him he made him like hit a wall, made him fall down, fell into a car, and then finally like smacked him with a not even a regular train like one of those like bullet trains that they have overseas like that thing had to be going like 200 miles an hour yeah 
I mean, if Spider Man can get hit by one of those and like crawl, then he can definitely get shot point blank by a bullet. <laughs> I don't be know. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very well crafted, visually stunning, and also trippy sequence. I I really enjoy it. Yeah. But revealing and and my favorite scene in the movie, it's when Peter meets up with Happy. In the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, in the Netherlands. Because first you have that joke about the, you rented a film and I could tell by the price that it was an adult film. Like, that that's hilarious. Hey, Second, secondly, and, and most importantly, this is Peter finally breaking down and he has this heart-to-heart with Happy and realizes that he doesn't have to be the next Iron Man. He's just got to be the best you know version of himself because Happy's like, look, I knew Tony. Tony always doubted everything that he was ever doing. Always second-guessed himself, but the only thing he'd ever second-guessed himself on was you. You know, you you are it for him. He had all the faith in the world in you. And no, you will never live up to being Tony. Tony couldn't even live up to being Tony. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to be you. Exactly, because I mean, honestly, Tony's image was fake. I mean, the perfect. The only people that really knew what was going on with Tony was the people close to him, like the Avengers, and Pepper, and Happy. Because um, outside looking in, it's like Tony's perfect, probably to like the rest of the world. And honestly, Peter didn't really get to see the real reason behind Civil War, so he didn't really get the the big picture of what was going on and how. Yeah. It was really affecting Tony because I I got that feeling in Homecoming where it's like if Peter really knew he probably would have been easier on like Tony being hard on him I think and maybe that's just like him being the kid and everything so I'm glad like Happy was there saying hey like Tony wasn't perfect I mean it might have looked that way but I I saw with my own eyes like he had his own issues that to the, probably to the day he died he didn't solve yeah and I think that really, that really helped Peter understand that like. You're, he's not going to be perfect. He's going to f- fall. But, I mean, we talked about before, Spider-Man always gets back up no matter how hard it is. And it, it really played into that kind of, I mean, Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility kind of thing. Yeah. Um, without actually saying it. <laughs> yeah. Again. And it really, it like, has one of the, the best, no dialogue is really spoken, but everything is said when Happy looks back and he sees Peter messing around to create his own suit and he has a thing on his arm and he looks over at uh, Happy, he goes, what? And he's just like, nothing. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's, it's passing the torch to Peter, to, to Peter, not necessarily to be the next Iron Man, but to be the next big Iron Man type in the MCU. Um, it's a really yeah. great moment. And this this is my favorite scene in the movie. You know, I know we're not supposed to say till the end, but yeah, this is my favorite scene in the movie. I love no, I love the scene. I love the scene too, and I love the little Easter eggs of like the different suits that um, Tony was probably like concocting for Peter that we probably won't ever see. But some of them were like comic inspired, and some of them were in a video game too. I and mean, we know like Tony made like the original Stark suit and like the the Iron. Um, Avenger suit that he wears in the Infinity War and Endgame, but like when Peter says pull up like all 
everything for Spider-Man. There's like 10 suits that you see and like they're just callbacks to like different Spider-Man. Like if you can pause it, just look at the different suits next yeah. time you watch the movie. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, Peter learning how to channel his inner Peter Tingle where he's in the hallway at the end of the, at the end of the movie It's the final showdown between him and Beck. And he says, you you want these glasses? Come get them. And then you see all the drones go around them. Everything goes to pitch black, no music. And you just hear Peter jumping from thing to like jumping from drone to drone, like beating the crap out of him, smashing them. Um, it's really an empowering moment because it's him finally being able to get, because now he's confident, get his, his spider spider sense under control and is able to hone that now and able to focus. And it's very empowering. Like I really it, love this sequence. It's, it's very empowering because he's finally starting to believe in himself. But like I was saying before, this is the action that we were getting, that we were used to in the Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. This seems like this is were just commonplace in the Spider-Man movie. And up until this scene, we hadn't got it at all. I mean, we got a glimpse of it with like Infinity War and like Endgame and stuff, but he was still kind of kooky and awkward with it. This one, he was like, no hose barred, like, this is me, like, I'm in my zone. And it was just so cool to finally see him do this. And I mean, seriously, like, I was waiting for this from the second they teased the Spider Man. This is what I was hoping. And I mean, it didn't disappoint. It's such a cool scene. I mean, he didn't even have his web shooters. It was just him, like, angry going after Beck. It was really cool. Yeah, it was freaking awesome. And then the fire all the drones now line from Jake Gyllenhaal is an excellent <laughs> delivery. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So much emotion. And oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy because he, I don't know how his – how hallucinations or whatever he does works is it like by thought because that last ditch thing where he pretends like he got shot or maybe he did get shot and he was just able to withstand it for a little bit and it, that part when like peter catches him before he shoots him and you can see the emotion in peter's eyes like the anger yeah. was like and the the you're restraint where he just, again yeah yeah but, but also you're not gonna fool me again but it's like it's taking everything i have right now to not punch you through this window (laughs) (laughs) he does punch him in the face one time but i was he hopefully he was pulling his punches because i feel like spider-man probably take a normal dude's face off i mean they really did put the whole this kid can barely control his powers like theme in this movie i mean one where he knocks flash out two where he like rips the seatbelt off like there's different parts of the movie where he's like trying to do things that he's just too strong to do it and he doesn't have that that super control of his powers, like how we're used to Spider-Man being. Because most Spider-Man, we never see uh, up until like when, I guess when Toby first got his powers, like we saw him do some crazy stuff that he didn't mean to do. But usually like they had a good grasp on their powers. And I think in the MCU Spider-Man, they really are really playing on like there's things he can do that he doesn't even know yet still. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see it in the next movie. Yeah. Peter and MJ finally kiss. And this is where MJ, like, I like this sequence because it's MJ finally letting her guard down. And she says, you know, the reason she doesn't, you know, is not completely, I don't want to say honest, is, but the reason she's not upfront with her feelings is because she's, 
she's just not good at it and she doesn't want to be hurt. She's just very guarded. And she finally lets her guard down when Peter's like, oh no, I had this thing planned. I was going to give you this black Dalila or, or whatever, like the murder. <laughs> and like, um, they, she just, it's like three awkward kisses. So she's like, she kisses him. Then she tells him her feelings, which is very sweet. She lets her guard down and then like he kisses her and then they kiss again. It's just, it's really sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet. The third one, they kind of like actually embrace and yeah. it's like a little moment. Because the other two were like kind of pecks, like, like, yeah. like kind of giddy kind of kisses. Yeah. But shout out to Happy for coming through and like giving her the little, the, the Dahlia necklace, whatever. Yeah. I think Black Dahlia. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what gave her the confidence to like really come out towards Peter and yeah. really open up. And but like Happy wasn't supposed to give it to her unless Peter died, so maybe like Happy wasn't a hundred percent sure if Peter. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was going to say that like he was he wasn't a hundred percent sure, but you know he had he had some faith. Yeah. Next sequence is Peter web slinging through New York. This is just cool because it's the first time, really, that we've seen him web sling through New York. Sure, there's some moments in home homecoming but this felt like real spider-man web slinging through new york yeah it, it did it for the first time it did um and it's just another one of those things that sony just did just because like the other spider-man movie there was plenty of scenes of cool scenes of him like flipping and zooming through new york and we talked about it earlier like we didn't really get a lot of action in new york so this is really like what we get of like spidey in this element um and just having mj right there too like towards the end her screaming and everything just reminded <laughs> me of like the kristen dunce um spider-man right she's like super calm like whoa which is what we probably would all be like <laughs> exactly exactly um this is the big one Spider-Man's identity is revealed by J. Jonah Jameson, and it's J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. It's perfect. Oh, man. It is perfect. I didn't see it coming at all. I, I didn't either. Like, as soon as I heard his voice, my mouth dropped, because he has such an iconic, like, voice, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. It gets easy he, to recognize. And as soon as I, I heard it, I was like, oh, no, they didn't. And then, then yep, they did. He, I mean, he, and he owns, looks different, but yeah, that's he, that's him. He owns that character. I mean, he voices the character in the Spider-Man video game on PS4. He does it in the cartoons now too. It's kind of like you remember how like Matthew Lillard pretty much became Shaggy. Yeah, it, like all interpretations of Shaggy, <laughs> like did the movies, did the cartoons, did pretty much everything. Uh, it's like that for J. Jonah Jameson and J.K. Simmons. It's like they just like you know what if we need. Jay Jonah, you're you're coming. Like it's like no questions asked. Nobody's going to do it but you. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense too. He's just he's perfect in the role, and the reveal is very well done. It's really it's Mysterio reveals the identity, then they flash his picture, and then the what the expression <laughs> from um, Spider Man's really awesome. Again, so much for. Oh, we think, you know, now that the deal is over, it's wrapped up really nicely. Bullshit. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Don't yeah, they were, gonna, they were going to pay with Sony wherever they wanted to get this done. There's no yeah. way they were just going to 
write them out. <laughs> but um, the, the scene, is, it, it, I like this scene. I know some people don't really like the scene. But, I mean, even in the first movie, it's things aren't going to go how we think. I mean, pretty much Aunt May knows Peter's secret at, oh, at the end of the first movie. So I, a lot of people are just used to Spider-Man having a secret identity. So, I mean, at least going forward, um, we're going to have to deal with, like, everybody knowing Spider-Man. I know in the comics that happened after um, the Civil War um, storyline and later they retconned it by having Peter wish that everybody forgot his identity. So I think we're maybe... Get, I think we're going to get something like that in, in uh, No Way Home. The next... Which, if if Doctor Strange has something to do with it, and he does it for Peter as a favor, somehow I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll, I'll accept it. So, but again, that ending just has me so hyped for the, the next movie, and we don't even have a trailer. It's just yeah, it's bumming me out. <laughs> <laughs> Last one is uh, the Talos reveal. Um, I really appreciated this when I saw it in the theater. Um, Mostly because I like the Nick Fury reveal he's in space, but mostly because I liked it because I felt the entire movie that Nick Fury was not <laughs> acting like the Nick Fury that I knew. Mm-hmm. And with it being revealed that it was Talos, it's like, okay, um, now that takes away that criticism that I have and it makes the second viewing even that much more interesting. Yeah, it is definitely... Um a good take. I think I watched this movie not too long after I saw Captain Marvel. Um, and it's it had me think. I was like, wow, it's ironic that these beings who can like shapeshift and pretty much become anybody didn't see through Beck's <laughs> plan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, if anybody was going to like know this was a fake, like made a plan, it'd be the aliens from space who can pretend to be any anybody at any moment. And it's funny because he was embarrassed to tell Fury. It's like, how am I supposed to tell him? <laughs> yeah, I got played. How am I supposed to tell him this? I'm the biggest player, and I got played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so out of all these sequences, man, which one is your favorite? It's got to – all right. As a – it's not my favorite, but I'm going to give it an honorary – like. Um, shout out is the Netherlands scenes that from from the point where he wakes up in the jail to the point where he's like with happy that's just hilarious like and everybody always talks about how nice people are over there how like life is just happy and even the guys in the prison know that the the the, the guard is having a kid and they're happy for him they're talking and then he goes on a shirt because they're like you look cold (laughs) yeah um the scene where he's like he breaks the lock and like sees the guard with the monkey um yeah, the night monkey mask on <laughs> the night monkey mask on that's hilarious and the guy gets up and like closes the gate back because they know they're supposed to be in jail <laughs> like all that is just it, I remember that for forever that was just a hilarious scene that would only fit in this movie but my favorite scene is definitely that final scene of him like getting his spidey sense back and well not back in my head is him getting it back but. Him yeah. mastering his spider sense and just going towards Beck and just destroying those like drones and everything and him catching the bullet, not catching the bullet, but catching his hand before he shoots him. All of that was just like, I don't know. I just feel like he grew up in that scene a lot. Yeah. And I can't fault you for that. That would probably, that would be in my top three. 
if not my second favorite sequence. Um, I, I, I love the sequence of him and happy on the airplane though. That's yeah, that's my one, but moving on to worst scenes and moments, I only really have one thing and that is the, I will always love you intro. Oh my God. Does it, it, it just reminds you of like that awkward videography of like a high school. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not only that, which because on that level it makes sense, but it's like it it it's such a tonal like shift from Endgame where I'm crying at the loss of you know Iron Man and Captain America and Black Widow. Here, it's like it's trying to be sentimental, but it's also being funny and making a, a joke out of them dying. So I was kind of like, Ugh, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. In hindsight, after seeing um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, um, I say Captain America and the Winter Soldier now too. You got yeah. me doing that. <laughs> um, whereas, right. like, it's not wrong. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Whereas you see the consequences of the blip in every episode. And it's hard for everybody around the world. That opening scene just pretty much spits in that in the face of that. It's like, hey, like these high schoolers just blew back in. We're just everything's hunky dory. We just had to go back to school. Um, we just had to sort out classes again. And because this is our like that aside, this is as a viewer our first foray into like post blip life. Yeah, and everything was business as usual. Nothing like things changed, but it wasn't like a big deal. And I thought it was going to be a bigger deal than the movie made it. It ended up being a bigger deal in Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but in this movie, they just completely like make expositioned it. it. Make it yeah. a joke, too. Like, yeah. with the I Will Always Love You, which is a freaking awesome song by the great Whitney Houston. But, like, yeah. It, it, like, it's been done so much and, like, for comedy use that it doesn't work as much when you use it in a movie that's not the bodyguard. So, like,. Yeah. It just, it didn't work for me. It, it, it doesn't work because we had to sit on what post blip life for like a year and a half until. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was post blip life until we get like WandaVision and then Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Like, oh, okay. So it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on here uh, that needs to be fixed. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's really the only sequence that I, I really do not like or really yeah, the I only issue. Yeah, I don't have any. Everything like I was kind of sketchy about, I, I already talked about in some way. Um, uh, I guess we'll find out where Doctor Strange was. I don't know. Like, this seems like something Doctor Strange would disappear. So I don't know. <laughs> What's going on here? These yeah, <laughs> elementals? What's that? That seems made up. It actually is made up. We have Eternals, but that's different. <laughs> Exactly, but uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything that. Yeah, okay. yeah, that that's it for me. But uh, move on to best performance. Who you got for best performance? Come on, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's yep. he gave Same. way too much for this movie for what he was like given. He, I mean, you, you, we talk about like the writers not given the actors a lot to work with and i don't think they gave him a lot to work with but what he had he just went crazy with it yeah he I mean, just he again he's one of the most underrated underappreciated actors 
in Hollywood. I've mentioned it before, but like Nightcrawler, it's a great movie. He was great in it. Brokeback Mountain, he's great in that movie. Um, he's great in, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of other ones. Southpaw. Um, yeah. And what's that uh, other one he did recently with like Amy Adams? Got Quicksilver in there, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh my god, it was one of my favorite movies the year it came out. I'm forgetting the name of it. But he's just he's such a good actor. Prisoners is another one. Um great, great movie, great in it. He's just so good in everything. And I think you're right. Like they writers might not have given Mysterio enough, and I think in the hands of someone different, it would not be very good. But Jake Gyllenhaal is just so awesome. He makes it his own and just commands the screen. He steals every scene that he's in. Yeah, because they could have very easily gave it that role to a comedian and it being a straight-up joke character Yep, and cheesy. I mean, can you imagine, like, I think it's like three writers for this movie when I was looking at the credits. Can you imagine the writers, like, saying, hey, there's going to be, like, a five-minute monologue where you pretty much just barf out the entire plot barf no pun intended but you just yeah. barf out the entire plot <laughs> i would have been like as an actor I'd be like, are you serious like we're not going to like well i I, I read somewhere where matt damon was rumored to play um this role uh-huh and i could kind of see it and jake and matt damon's a really good actor but I think Jake Gyllenhaal brings a little bit of his weird Donnie Darko quirkiness to it, enough of it that it really works. And I don't yeah. know if Matt Damon really has that gear in him. I know he's an amazing actor, but I, you know, just because you're an amazing actor doesn't mean you should, you can do everything. You know, who'd have, who'd have brought some Boston into it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, all day, every day, the best performance. Yeah. So, does this make sense? Award. Uh, I have three things written, but I I have four things. One we've already kind of talked about, so we don't have to really uh, discuss it further. But what was Beck's game plan if an Avengers level threat actually came? Like, what would he do? Would he use tar- uh, Stark technology to get rid of it? Like, I guess if you couldn't just, like, drone it to death, he would be like, hey, this is beyond my means. And they'd be like, okay. Like, I don't know. Because every hero can't do everything, which we've seen. Like, okay. they're not going to be caught. So, I guess he would try to shoot it with the drones. And if that didn't work, they'd be like, oh, I'm not strong enough. He would have. He would have had his um, storyboard guy come up with some reason why he couldn't beat it. Or he would have came up with a random e- event somewhere else where he had to be at. Yeah. Like, he would have, he would have, oh, man, I would love to help you guys, but there's we're a fight. I'm fighting. Mad world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I did do it with Thor. I mean, Thor is real, and he, like, goes back and forth, and he goes missing yeah, all true. the time. But, um, I, it, it makes sense because I've watched like different things where like the big hero ends up being not really who he says it is, and mm-hmm. it, that's kind of a cliche in some in some superhero stories. So, in in this world, I buy it. In this world, I buy it. 
because like he said, people will believe anything now with everything that's going on in, yeah. over there. Why didn't Tony use Edith in Endgame? I got nothing. If that was a thing, I mean, he could have saved a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely good. Um, similar to an issue that's in Civil War, what's up with the timetable for Peter's classmates leaving? Because they're packing that morning, and then he goes to like a different part of the country. And... For some reason, no, I'm sorry, not even cut you off, but for some reason, they go on a tour, <laughs> like when they're supposed to be flying out because it's unsafe. They decide to do like a last minute tour. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. That that part was dumb, um, but I guess Beck was behind it because it was his person on the tour bus. Yeah, that's true. But the whole how long does it time? How long does it? It was a how long does a super train speed train takes to get from um, Berlin to the Netherlands? I don't know. That's another one of those things where like we were talking about in civil wars. Like how long does it a flight take to <laughs> over there? This is one of those things where the time is just they want us to forget yeah mysterio a man gets punched in the face by spider-man and he's okay so like my response to that is just spider-man probably held back on his punches i mean that's a similar thing to like he's punching doc ock in the face and spider-man spider-man 2 and Doc Ock is a, uh, just a person and he's fine. So, like, I just, I feel like he's just holding back his strength. Yeah, I'm going with that. I mean, he just, it's probably subconsciously too holding back. I mean, even Superman has to hold back in all his fights. So, yeah. so out of all these, unless you have any more to add, what wins the Does This Make Sense award? Okay, before I go with my winner, it's not really. It, it makes sense. It's just sad, and they didn't have to do it. But the original Stark suit just gets blown up, like, and nobody just says a word about it. It's like it's like just gone. Like, I don't know. There's nothing sentimental about that suit at all. It's, we just destroy it off screen, and yeah. that'd be the, the end of it. It just irks me the wrong way. It makes sense, but it's just like really, we just like it was in the suitcase. He never had, puts it on, and it just gets blown up. With and I guess his Uncle Ben's, or as we are guessing, Uncle Ben's suitcase is just blown up too. Like no moment for either one of those things. No, they're just gone. <laughs> just gone. Um, but my award definitely goes to something that doesn't make sense, which is the middle one and. Why didn't Tony use the Edith to shoot some of those bad guys in Endgame? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think Edith doesn't make any sense, and, and neither does what's the timetable for Peter's classmates leaving. Like a lot of that stuff, which I guess with the Peter's classmates leaving, you could chalk it up to Beck had a hand in it. So I think I'm going to lean a little bit more towards why didn't Tony use Edith in Endgame? Yeah. So MVP of the movie. I'm going to go Tom Holland. Peter Tingle. <laughs> Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle is literally my MVP. You know I've been talking about the spider sense yes. ever since we did Civil War. Um, it's one of my favorite things that Spider-Man has. It's 
so cool. And I'm glad they finally have it in the MCU. Yeah. And, you know, I might take back Tom Holland for MVP and do Spider-Sense Peter Tingle because it <laughs> it just it, it makes it because that's exactly what saves the day in the movie. And it's finally getting to see the spider sense in the MCU version of Spider-Man. And we didn't really see it in homecoming. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. Yeah. And I mean, it's just such a cool ability and like in different versions of Spider-Man, it just evolves to a point where it's like, almost like he's predicting the future. And if they do that in the MCU, I'm like, my, my mind's going to blow up. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I hope they continue down with, down that road with the, the spider sense. Uh, they don't like because that's the thing that the MCU does that annoys the hell out of me is the varying power levels. I hope they stay consistent with it this time. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, Jabari, why would you recommend this movie? Um, it's like you said, it's a little bow, it's an epilogue um, to the phase three. And I'm sorry, is it prologue? Prologue's the ending one, right? Prologue is the uh, before. Epilogue is the the ending. Okay, I was right. I second guessed myself, like Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice little epilogue to the MCU um, phase three because it really ties together like that whole Tony's legacy and what it really meant to Peter because um, that was that was a big question for everybody and. Honestly, it's a good Spider-Man movie. Like you said, it's, to me, it's one of the best. To you, it is the best. Um, definitely up there for me as well. We finally get to see the Spider-Sense, um, as we've been talking about this whole podcast. And some really good acting. And probably our only like view of Jake Gyllenhaal in the MCU. And he does a great job. One of the more underrated villains in the MCU that people don't really talk about. People talk about Loki, Thanos, and Killmonger all the time, but honestly, I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's character should be like, it's probably not as good as those three or as iconic, but it's definitely close, and he should be in that discussion a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. He's up there with Thanos, Loki, Killmonger. He's he's a really, really good villain. Um, and that's part of the reason why I recommend this movie. The other part of the reason that I would recommend this movie is the fact that this is really the first time in the MCU where Spider-Man is stepping out of the shadows or slaying the story groundwork for him to be stepping out of the shadows and being from being Iron Man Jr. or feeling like Iron Man Jr. at times and being his very own version of Spider-Man. Um, and not as attached to the Tony, which he'll always be attached to the Tony Stark part of the story in the MCU, but he's becoming more of the Spider-Man that we know and love. And this movie really set it up perfectly and gave me my favorite interpretation of the character in this, in this film. Uh, now it's very tied to the other events within the MCU. So if you're watching the, uh, this movie and you haven't watched any, of the MCU movies, it might be a little, little bit harder to follow, but it's still, regardless of that, it, it's it, it is a, a a fantastic movie that, while yeah, being very attached to the other films, I think stands alone by itself, um, and that's why I think I would I would recommend this movie. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. It's it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of uh, 
of, of funny moments, but it's very heartfelt. This is the thing. When I think about this movie, I think it's just very heartfelt. Yeah. It's got Nick Fury calling somebody a bitch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, you went to space. <laughs> uh, but that is it for this week's show. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on the Infinity Saga. I want to thank David Moten, Cameron Greganis, and of course you, Jabari, for joining me on what has been a really, really fun journey. Oh man, it's been awesome. Thank you for having me be a part of it. Of course. I'll Love have to get you second. I'll have to get you on here again that's for something that's not an MCU movie. Oh, I can't wait. I'm down for whatever. It could be anything. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um it, and, and this this journey has really opened my eyes to what works and doesn't um, about the MCU, why it's so successful. I realized, you know, while doing this, just how many movies in here that I love uh, compared to what I even thought or on this viewing, really diving deep, you know, realizing that I love the movie. Um, of course, there are a few that I really don't like or I'm just kind of lukewarm on. But for the most part, I do really enjoy these movies when the formula meshes with somebody who knows how to manipulate that formula to achieve the best of both worlds of creative freedom and fitting into a shared universe. I think that's when the MCU can really sing. Um, but as promised a while ago, next week I'll be using the One For Me series uh, to talk about Wedding Crashers, which is a very hard 180 from the mcu a movie that won an instagram poll tournament with movies like fight club man on fire the accountant 40 year old virgin knocked up forgetting sarah marshall it it beat them all um in a little tournament that i had for it. it came down to fight club and wedding crashers which shocked me so random <laughs> honestly yeah because i thought i was like okay this is a beloved comedy but at the same time, especially for people our age, but like at the same time, like I thought for sure Man on Fire or like Fight Club would win because Fight Club is such a cult movie. And it it came very close, but Wedding Crashers like demolished pretty much all the other competition. Like it it took out Freebie Sarah Marshall. It took out Forty Year Old Virgin and by one by two votes against Fight Club. So it, it came wow. down to the to the wire Maybe for greedy. that one. Um, and I'll be joined by Carly to talk about that one. So you'll get a female perspective on Wedding Crashers, um, which I, I'm uh, really looking forward to hearing. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it, too. Yeah. Um, but until then, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, rate us, and while you're at it, give us a follow over on Instagram and TikTok at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest content I'll be dropping. Again, guys, that review episode is out for The Suicide Squad and a slew of other films. Um, but anyways, guys, until next time, stay classy.